Well, it's a wonderful prayer. Uh, all the way through, all the hymns have been prayers that God would speak to us through his word. And uh, that last one uh, there, speak, O Lord, till your church is built. Well, it's still being built. There are stones. It's exciting being brought. It's good seeing, wonderful seeing new stones coming along. And you think, I wonder if this one's for this building and where are they going to fit? And uh, the Lord's shaping people uh, in, bringing them into position. It's not built yet. It's a work going on and there are edges being chipped off you and me. And at times it can be painful. And speak, O Lord, till your church is built, till the earth is filled with your glory. And one day it will be that. The earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Uh, these great promises that we look to. And so God is going to speak to us today if we're willing to, to listen, whether we're at home or whether we're here in the chapel, preacher and hearer alike. God is speaking, will we be listening? We've got something of a fishy story here this morning, an incident where Jesus gives fish advice to professional fishermen. It's quite fishy fish advice. It's a uh, iffy fishy fish advice. It's advice you wouldn't normally give, but it's, uh, it's never really about fish. So the whole thing seems fishy. It's a fishy story that we have here this morning. The scene is a, a beautiful one. I'd like to think it was a day like today, lovely sunshine in the Middle East, uh, very, very warm. And uh, it's Capernaum, and it's the Sea of Galilee. It's also known as the Lake of Gennesaret, but it's that same sea, a very popular fishing location. Uh, many, many villages along the shoreline and the, the great uh, work of many of the men in these little villages was to fish on the Sea of Galilee. It's the centre of that northern fishing industry. Uh, and Jesus on this occasion... Uh, he's by <clears throat> the seashore, and he's teaching. This is Jesus' great uh, want. He, he teaches the people. There are occasions when he heals, um, but his main focus is to, to teach. Uh, and the crowds are there. How wonderful. They've all poured out of the, uh, the local village and other villages as well because they hear that Jesus is teaching and we're told that they're pressing in on him. Uh, why? Why are they pressing in? Well, they want to hear. They're wanting to get to the front. I'm sure there's some parents. Could you let little Hezekiah through, please? Only a little one. Out to the front. Like the children watching a baptism here. Can the children come to the front? And uh, there he is. He's on the seashore. But people, you see, people, on this occasion, because it's Jesus Christ, they're keen. <laughs> They're eager, they're desiring, they've rearranged their work schedule to be there. They had um, a carrier pigeon came from the boss, could, could you work today? So, sorry, can't, can't work today, I need to be uh, hearing, I've got something else to do. A friend comes along, uh, can, Tom Tom drums, can you come to the chariot race this morning? Sorry. Sorry, I, I, and he loves the chariot races, but there's something more pressing. Jesus is speaking, and he's going 
to be there. They're keen, they're eager, desiring. They're actually hungry spiritually. They want to hear. Now, I'm like you. Some Sundays, I'll just come and plunk myself down or I'll open my Bible in the morning and uh, I'll read my bit because it's the done thing. But am I hungry? I might think, well, if only I'd been there 2,000 years ago, I'd have been there because there he is physically. He's here now, spiritually. Uh, in no lesser way, and very, very wonderfully, he doesn't have to spend a little time here, a little time over there. Because he is the risen, reigning Jesus Christ by his spirit, he's in all places simultaneously. And there are different men who will be standing up to preach, but if they open the Bible and read the passage, and then simply, if they prayed, asking God to help, they simply go through the passage. It is Jesus speaking. So let's shake ourselves. Let's put on a happy face. Let's put away the grimace. And I can't see most of your faces, little children. Great to see your smiles. Oh, Calvin's left. But, uh, great to see smiley faces. But uh, for most, we're behind mass. I can't see really what you're thinking. I'm looking forward to the 8th of August, but maybe probably then we'll still have to wear them. Anyway, we'll see. It's good to see a face and a keen, eager expression because Jesus is speaking. He was speaking before he was ever incarnate, speaking in the Old Testament, preaching and speaking in the days of Noah. Always been speaking. He's the one who said, let there be light and chaos and darkness heard and took their flights. And he's speaking here this morning. At the entrance of your word, Psalm 119, comes light. Light is what we need. Understanding, direction. Do you want to be saved? Listening at home. Children, do you want to be saved? Adults, do you want to be saved? Here is light. You're a sinner. God is holy. What's the answer? Jesus Christ. Do you get it? Have you got it yet? I am the light of the world, he says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. 2,000 years ago, the people crowded in. And he's on the seashore. He's preaching and he's teaching. And that's his central aim, to preach and to teach. But he's on the lakeside. And so it's difficult for those at the back to see him. So we got uh, little Zacchaeus. And uh, he can't quite see him. So he's... he's He's straining and maybe he's pushing on somebody's shoulders. And because he's behind people, he can't quite, he can't quite hear. And uh, it's a problem. The crowd's getting bigger and bigger and they're pressing and uh, people can't see him and maybe people can't hear him. So Jesus sees a boat. He's right, he sees two boats and they're empty and some fishermen have just got out and they're mending and washing their nets. So he gets into one of the boats and he says to one man there, Simon, could you push me out a little? Now you've been to the seashore, haven't you? And to a big crowd on the seashore. If there's a boat out on the sea, you can all see on the sea. You can see. And the sound carries very well. The acoustics are very good because the sound waves bounce off the water nicely and come inland to you. 
So Jesus does something very wonderful. He's creative. He's helpful. He wants people to see him. He wants people to hear him. And that's the need. That's the need. So here in the St. Melan's Baptist Chapel, the architecture of the chapel is not by accident. I'm not up here because I'm better than you and down here because you're better than me. Now, this pulpit is placed so that you can see. And on occasions where maybe I have to preach from the platform and maybe folks at home are losing me now, don't they think, no, they can still see me. Well, folks in the gallery can't quite see me. So, uh, thankfully, we need the upper gallery. And when the restrictions are lifted, I'm looking forward to seeing people cramming in uh, again. But we're here so people can see and hear. That's why the pulpit is positioned here. Because the most important part of our service, any truly Christian gospel service, is the preaching of the word of God. It's the centre of our worship. You'll hear in many churches, well, we've got the worship band. And we've done the worship, now we'll hear the word of God. No, it's quite wrong. It is a worship band, I accept that. But the centre of worship is what the music and the hymns and the prayers point us towards. And that's the hearing and declaration of the word of God. And you and I have to be very careful how we respond at this time, because it is Jesus Christ speaking. It's not just the preacher. If he's prepared and prayed, if you've been praying for him, if the Spirit is moving, it's Jesus who is speaking. And the need is for people to hear, so Jesus is creative, and he goes out a little from the shore in the boat. Now everybody can relax, because everybody can see him, and everybody can hear him. And I'd like you to note this also, just in passing. It is interesting. I just mentioned it in passing. Uh, let's see. All oh, right, here is verse 3. <clears throat> and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I'm sure he was standing on the seashore because that would help people to see. But he sat down in the boat. Now, why would he do that? Well, I think it's sensible if you're in a boat to sit down. But also do note this, I mean the point is made of it, there's nothing particularly holy and spiritual about standing up to preach. In fact, at farm church on occasions, because the wind has been blowing and I want to keep hold of uh, the, the, the notes and things, I, I would sit down. And if it's raining, as it often has been on a Sunday afternoon, it tends to rain about half past two. So under the umbrella and keeping dry. But it's the same word, it's the same Word. There's no set form here. The focus is on the Word of God. So there's the scene. That's my first point. And my second point is Simon from verses 4 through to 7. See, Jesus has been teaching the crowds, but now, now he speaks to Simon. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he spoke to the crowds. Now he speaks to Simon. And this is a vitally important truth. Here am I, and trust it's the Spirit of Christ taking his word and applying it to a congregation. So folks in the chapel, and you sitting comfortably in the heat at home with your, your fans blowing. Jesus speaking generally, 
And in a sermon, it's why it's really important we gather together as a church, because God speaks to churches. Jesus speaks to his church. I wonder if you're following the Romans series. I, I, I'm really... We we can check as to how many downloads we get, and we know how many are in the chapel. It's not a bad uptake. Now, it's lovely gathering on a Sunday morning, and there's something lovely about going through Luke's gospel, but there's something very profound and powerful and direct about the series in Romans, and I believe God is speaking to a church. Are you missing out? It's important to keep up. We can't be there. I mean, it's not difficult to be there. You press a button and suddenly there's the preacher. And if you can't make it, there is some reason, uh, maybe children or there's a health issue, or then you can catch up. Maybe you're in a a car journey. Really, it is. It's very convenient in that sense uh, to keep up because some very challenging things are being said in the Romans series. So... Do catch-ups. Not in my notes. Suddenly came to me to say that. If the cap fits, wear it. Don't blame the preacher. Here it is. God speaking to a congregation. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. How do you do that? We hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. How do you do that? Through the Word. It's not rocket science. Well, I don't agree with that. Why have you been listening? No, that's why you don't agree with it. You haven't been under the sound of God's word mediated through the Holy Spirit. And we believe these things, of course, we we're good evangelical Christians, but we don't seem to get it for some reason. God speaks to a congregation. He's speaking to the crowd. And then he speaks to Simon. And this morning he's speaking to a congregation, but he's also speaking to you as an individual. All right? He can craft the sermon such that he takes a section out and it hits you. We're talking to a couple in the, church, in the garden, lovely time, Friday morning. And the chap, he's only been coming recently, he said, every time I come, it seems every word you're saying is just for me. Well, he doesn't know, of course, because I've been a Christian for 45 years. He started coming along recently. I've heard that story so many times. <laughs> Haven't we? Wasn't it the same with you when you first came? As if God was speaking just to you? He does that. Of course he does that. And I've got to be eagerly saying, not only what are you saying to us as a congregation, Lord, what are you saying to me? Otherwise, oh, this is good for so-and-so. I wish so-and-so had been here. Well, he's not. You are. All right? All right? So you, you're the one supposed to be hearing. Oh, I wish so-and-so had been here. Do you think God isn't able to bring so-and-so? Oh, what a shame. What are you saying? He could have brought them. But actually at the moment he's got nothing to say to so-and-so. Nothing to say to so-and-so. Why? Well, maybe they've crossed a line or maybe he will bring them back. But at the moment... You are here. I am here. Let's hear what he says, not only to the congregation, but also to me. And that's got to be my prayer each time. Lord, what are you saying to the church? What are you saying to me? Let's read this little section, what he says to Simon. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep 
and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and the nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in order in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. Wow. Put, put out into the deeper water. Finish my sermon now. Sung the final hymn. Teas and coffees being served at the back of the beach. Now he's got something to say to Simon. <laughs> Simon, who he's pretty tidy, Simon. At least he's been out all night. He's washing his net. He's thinking, I'm going to go home and have a sleep. And Jesus says, could you just push me out? I was going to go home and have some sleep. Pushes him out. And Jesus, I don't know how long the sermon was. But at last the sermon's finished. And now uh, he's got him... Oh, let's roll back in now. I'll go and have that sleep. Take your boat out into the deep water <clears throat> and uh, let down your net for a catch. What's Jesus doing? Well, there's all sorts of things going on here. You could well say, and uh, one commentator said this, I think there's something in it. It's payback time for, for Simon. Jesus borrowed Simon's boat and Jesus will pay for the hire. Jesus is no man's debtor. You've lent me your boat. I don't presume. It is your boat. I've borrowed it. You're a fisherman. I'm going to give you payment. And you know, whatever service we're in for the Lord, he pays well. All right? Now, I get a salary check from the church every, every month, and every year there's uh, the wise men pull their beards and they decide on a salary uh, adjustment and uh, a little email comes and we decide to give you this uh, an extra fish. I think, well, thank you. That's lovely. Thank you very much. And there's a part of it, but I tell you, the half has not been told. It's not monetary, primarily. Jesus pays above and beyond. And Jesus is no man's debtor. And he will pay for the hire of the boat. But also there's a lesson here on obedience. Even if on occasions your logic is telling you what Jesus is saying seems to me to be foolishness. Let down your nets for a catch in the deep water. What does Jesus know about fishing? See, Peter, Simon. You understand the same person, Simon, Peter. Simon could be thinking... Jesus is a teacher, but I'm a fisherman. I know about fishing. He knows about preaching. I'll give him that. He knows about preaching. But I know about fishing. And what Jesus is saying right now, it's crazy. I've been out all night. I'm tired. I've caught nothing. I should be asleep. I've been helping you. It's, day, it's daytime. Why did fishermen go out at night? Well, because at night the fish couldn't see the nets. So you let the net down in the daytime. No, it would be a very stupid fish that would just wander into a net. Off he goes. At night he can't see. 
just seems so illogical. And he tells him so. And uh, notice this. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. He calls him master. But, thank God for the but, but at your word, at your command, at your word, I will let down the nets. Simon's seen wonderful things happening. He's seen his mother-in-law being healed. Uh, He saw the incidents in the synagogue. He saw all the people come when the Sabbath was over. And as we looked at last Sunday morning, people being healed of various diseases and demons, fleeing from the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So at your word, it seems foolish, but I, I will let down my net. Now, I have to note this, just, it really is important. Actually, if something seems foolish, it usually is, right? We can't use this as a precedent to say, I will do something even if it is completely ridiculous. How do I discern? I need to stay close to him and hear his voice and not my voice. So, Dale Ralph Davis, this is an excellent commentary on Luke's gospel. Let me read you his comment. Uh, on this. Here we must enter a caution. It is one thing to see in the text that Jesus commanded something apparently foolish and ludicrous. It's another thing what you do with that. Don't turn the point on its head and start thinking of Jesus, that Jesus only works in strange and bizarre and unexpected ways and never in the ordinary and the run-of-the-mill and seemingly rational That's when we see some fellow get up and say he believes the Lord is calling him to quit his job, uproot his family, solicit donors, naturally, and move to Paraguay and start a faith mission there. Probably not. That's more likely his own ego speaking than the shepherd's voice. So don't let this point go to seed so that you say that if it seems weird then Jesus must be in it. Rather, if it seems weird, it may just be weird. And we need to be discerning. But at the word of Christ, he drops down his net and he does it for a catch. And what a catch. It's at the command of Jesus Christ. Two boats sinking under the weight of the fish. Final point this morning. We've had the scene, Simon, now the signs. The first thing we learn is who Jesus is. The second thing we learn is what is Jesus' purpose. So who is Jesus? Now notice this now, verse 8. The response of Simon. But when Simon Peter saw it, this great catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He is awestruck along with the others. Verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Awestruck. In this particular miracle that has been performed, there's a profound change comes over Simon. And we can find it really in how 
Simon is addressing Jesus. In verse 5, Simon answered, Master, it's a Greek word, epistatis, master, teacher. We toiled all night and took nothing. There's a bit of a, an argument going on. But okay, at your words, I will let down the nets with a great catch of fish and with Jesus there in his presence. Verse 8, it's no longer epistatis, teacher, master. Now it is curios. Oh, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Oh, Lord. A little quotation from Dale Ralph Davis's excellent commentary. He's quoting uh, John Calvin. No one ever attains clear knowledge of self unless he has first gazed upon the face of the Lord. Master, catch a fish. Oh, Lord. He thinks about what he said. He's argued with him. I've toiled all night. I'm the fisherman. You're the teacher. Okay, okay. I'll do it. Now a sudden realisation. Sudden realisation as to who he is. This is more than any mere man. This is the Lord of glory. There's always more to learn about Jesus Christ. There's always more to learn about me. And as I learn more about Jesus Christ, this came out on Wednesday. It's often a, a theme that needs to come to our hearts. The more we see of Jesus, the more we'll understand of ourselves. He's not just a teacher, he's the Lord of glory. As I see him in his splendor revealed to my soul, it just reveals my sin. I'm shown into, thrown into sharp relief. He's holy, I'm a sinner. Depart from me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Humility. All right, let's make that point again. Humility. It cannot be faked. You know, Peter could have put on a false humility. Jesus saying, put down your nets. Oh, yes, of course. You know best. Yes. Three bags full, sir. Down go the nets. It's not genuine. It be a false humility in the world. But true humility cannot be faked. I've said this many times. I'm convinced it's absolutely true that the central hallmark of a Christian is Humility. It is hard to describe. We were asked on Wednesday night, how do you describe what is it, what is it that uh, demonstrates humility? It's hard to describe, but it's very beautiful when it happens. How do we get there? A right view of Jesus that brings about a right view of me. Now, finally, what is Jesus doing? Here it is. Do not be afraid from now on you will be catching men. I will make you fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now notice this. Here we got a call to ministry for, for Simon Peter. Notice, I mean, I, I read it. I didn't see this. It, it took a, another commentary to point out the, the glaringly obvious. 
Peter says, and rightly so, I am a sinful man. And Jesus comes back and says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I am a sinful man. You might think that Jesus says, yeah, I know, get away from me. No, don't be afraid. I know you're a sinful man. And what's more, now I know you know you're a sinful man. And therefore, and therefore, I'm going to use you. Wow, this is amazing. Christ receiveth sinful men. Thank God he does, or else none of us would be here. It's all of his grace. And I'm only a sinner saved by the grace of God. I haven't got a holier, I pray, oh God, keep me. Maybe, have I? I don't know. I trust I haven't. A holier-than-thou attitude that we look down on others like the Pharisee. Not at all. I am a sinful man. I know you are. Get out and get on with the business. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Jesus uses sinful men, repentant sinners. He doesn't dispense with sinners. He doesn't dispense with failures. Now there were three glorious failures last Sunday night, one after the other. Saka, Sancho, Radford. I love the response of um, Gareth Southgate afterwards. He gave them all an embrace. They felt dreadful. Didn't know where to look. I couldn't look. I'd gone out for a walk by the time that came. But a, a welcome embrace from the manager. Jesus Christ received sinful men who are repentant. They weren't laughing about missing the penalties. No, they were devastated by missing the penalties. If they'd gone up to Southgate saying, ha ha, well, that's the way it is. Hey, hey. I don't think they'd have played for England again, but they're devastated by that. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. I know you're a sinful man. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. The first step to Christian usefulness is to recognise our uselessness. All right? If you think you're somebody, you're nobody. If you understand you're nobody, God can use you. All right? The first step to Christian usefulness is to recognise our uselessness. Simon, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Us? Well, that's a message to us this morning. As a church and as individuals, as a church, what's our focus? There is a danger at this stage in our history that we get uh, focused on the search for a new pastor. That's right, we search for a new pastor. Focused on reopening up and taking away the tape and... Uh, what meetings restart, and lots of debates and different opinions, toing and froing. Oh, it's got a place, and uh, lots of illnesses in the life of the church, and folks need to be cared for. But what's the business of the local church? He makes us fishers of men. And we need to be focused on our task. We could get sidetracked. Nothing wrong with the things I've mentioned. They need to be, but keep things in perspective. They're the pimples, and the Everest is the gospel, and going out and declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came and lived and died and rose again, and you, my friend, need to repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think it's time for a mission uh, as, as a church, some focus on evangelism. Crazy, crazy 
Oh, yeah, I know somebody who thought that 2,000 years ago. But what is he saying to us as a church? Come out into the deep with me. But we've got to get on with the refurb. We've got to get on with calling a new path. This is no time for evangelism. It's always time for evangelism. It's always the task and the function of a local church. And for us as individual members as well. Work can be very busy and family and sports and hobbies. Difficulties that come along, but what are our aims? Let me remind you of Jonathan as well. Um, so there's his message to us. Uh, pray not for a speedy recovery, but that God might be glorified through this. If God wants me in hospital uh, rehabbing for longer, that I might witness to more people, then may his will be done to God be the glory. So for you and for me, all right, I'm busy. I'm busy. Well, let's take every opportunity when we're on our jobs and we're busy, with our families and we're busy. Might not be able to get to this meeting and that meeting, but we're always on duty. Go and see that client, talking to the boss, talking to a work colleague. We display Christ in our life, of course, but always looking for opportunity to speak to others about the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. As a church, and as individuals, we are fishers of men. Tis all my business here below to cry, behold the Lamb. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this brief time in your word. We pray, Lord, you would continue to speak to us through your word, by your spirit, as a gathered church together, and also as individuals. And hearing your word, may we be quick to obey. To God be the glory, we pray. Amen.